Hey guys, it's Dawn. If you would like to hear the How My Parents Raised Me podcast ad-free, and if you would like access to subscriber-only episodes, join me in the What's the Truth community. You can join via the Apple Podcast app. There's a link right there in the app. Or go to whatsthetruth.supercast.com. Links are in the show notes. Don't miss out on all the extra content I'm sharing. I can't wait to see you over there. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I can remember my father telling me to stop calling him dad. I remember him saying this to me, but I didn't really take it in or understand what exactly he was saying. I was five. Within minutes, I must have started a sentence off with dad and asked another question. And he said, stop calling me dad. I'm not your dad and shook me by the arm. He said this to me and my sister many times, shouting in our faces. And from that moment on, We had to call him by his first name, Terry. Welcome to How My Parents Raised Me. I'm Dawn Chitty. When we are born, we arrive here as pure and perfect souls. And the direction our life takes from that moment is deeply connected to what our parents bring to our lives. And what our parents bring to our lives is deeply connected to what their parents brought to their lives and that's the cycle of families. I have always craved connection with real and raw stories to understand what makes you you, what makes you the absolutely unique human that you are. Stories are medicine for the soul, they can connect us and they can change the world and so in this podcast I'm listening to beautiful souls sharing their story, what happened to them, how they got through and how they have healed and thrived despite everything 
to arrive right here in this moment. Content warning, if you are triggered by the themes of this podcast, please seek a helpline in your city. Hello, my beautiful friends. I hope you're well. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so honored to be sharing a story today from a listener of the podcast. Mark has written in from the north of England and he has a story to share. I just want to remind all of you that I am here and I am listening. I want to hear your stories. I want to share your stories. This community is sharing stories from around the world, from the US, the UK, Australia, Canada, New Zealand. I've spoken to people in the Middle East and one thing is really clear. Childhood trauma is common to all of us, regardless of where we're from. Some of us have voices that can be heard loudly now and some of us are still silent. And so for every human that was once subject to trauma as a child, we need to use our voices so that we can create change. I cannot sit and interview everyone, but I can definitely share more of your stories by reading them here. Please get in touch with me so that what you have to say can be included in this important conversation. This is Mark's story. My name is Mark, I'm 51 years old and I live in the northwest of England. Last year I started to feel really low, lower than I've ever felt. I've had low mood on and off for the past 25 years but the feelings last year were not like before. They were darker and they felt more serious. I started to feel like my life was pointless. Even though I ran a small business with my wonderful wife, had a nice group of friends, I couldn't get away from the feeling of low self-worth and low self-confidence. I didn't want to be around people. I lost interest in things that I once enjoyed. I dreaded meeting up with family and friends, which was all becoming very frustrating and hard on the people that wanted to see me. Work seemed pointless. I felt like I was totally useless and most of all, I didn't feel worthy of love. I didn't understand why my wife was with a person like me. But the strongest voice within me was saying, you and your life don't matter. So there's no point in going on. I wasn't suicidal, but I felt that this was the start of a path that could get very dark unless I did something about it. And I did want to do something about it for the sake of my relationships, but mainly to save me. As soon as I started hearing this voice, I had an inner strength to tell my wife exactly how I was feeling and the thoughts I was thinking. It's hard sharing this type of story, but I knew I had to do it. My wife was the one person that I knew would listen. The one person I could share my feelings with, express my thoughts to, without any judgment from her. She encouraged me to seek professional help. 
and found a local therapist that I could talk to. And that's exactly what I did. I had approximately 12 sessions with the therapist and it was both difficult, educational, upsetting and liberating all at the same time. But more on this later. A bit of background about me. I've always been a people pleaser. If you asked my wife or any of my friends or family, they would tell you that I would help anyone with anything, even if that meant changing my plans or dropping whatever it was I was in the middle of doing to help another. I tend to hug people way more than I probably should. And at the end of a night, I'm the guy that runs off to get a taxi for everyone. I guess I want people to say, Mark's a nice guy, a good guy, a lovely person, someone you can rely on. I have been this way for as long as I can remember. I thought I'd found my role in life by being this way, but as the years went by, I started to resent myself for being like this. I would question the sincerity of the people around me. Did they really like me? Did they respect me? Did they even love me? No one ever told me they liked me or loved me, apart from my wife, so maybe they didn't. I get very angry with myself if I cannot do something. Take, for instance, home renovations. If something I'm doing doesn't work out, I really beat myself up about it. My inner voice tells me that I'm a failure, I'm useless. It tells me that other husbands can do things, so why can't I? I'm not even that bad at home renovating. But this side of me really frustrates me. It's exhausting when these feelings manifest. I just want to be content in my own skin, happy with who I am and comfortable with what I have and with what I can do and can't do. So why am I like this? Maybe some of the events that had happened in my life have contributed to the way I am today. My childhood trauma has four main events which I would like to share with you, Dawn. There have been lots of things that happened in my childhood which could be described by a therapist as big events, something which has had a huge effect on me as a child and which probably shaped my future adult self. The four events I've chosen to write about may explain more. Event one, don't call me dad. I'm a 70s child. My mum was 19 when she gave birth to me and my dad was 20. When I was five, I can remember my father telling me to stop calling him dad. I remember him saying this to me, but I didn't really take it in or understand what exactly he was saying. I was five. Within minutes, I must have started a sentence off with dad and asked another question and he said, stop calling me dad, I'm not your dad, and shook me by the arm. He said this to me and my sister many times, shouting in our faces. And from that moment on, we had to call him by his first name, Terry. To clarify, Terry is my biological father. There's no doubt about that. It wasn't like he wasn't our dad. He totally is. I guess he just wasn't ready for fatherhood at such a young age. And so he didn't want us calling him dad, especially if he had friends around. Whatever the reason, this is the start of the emotional neglect I suffered. 
and I think which created issues in my adult life. Event two, the fighting and violence. Early life was very difficult. Money was tight and we did not have the luxuries that many of my friends had. We did not even have a bathroom, just an outside toilet. So a bath was a plastic tub in front of the gas fire with hot water from the kettle. It was around this period that I witnessed the first physical fight between my mum and dad. There was some arguing, then shouting, and then my dad hit my mum. I was crying and screaming for them to stop, begging my dad to get off my mum. The fighting would stop. Dad would take whatever money there was in the house and go to the pub. And this pattern became a regular thing. I would beg mum to let me stay up with her, especially on nights when dad was at the pub. I guess I hoped at that young age that I could somehow stop the fights, that if he came home and saw me still up with mum, even though I should have been in bed, he would not start a fight, but he always did. And this is how my early life was. I wouldn't sleep. I would worry. And when I did sleep, apparently I would cry in my sleep and then usually wet the bed. During these fights, neither my mum or dad would comfort me when the fight was over. I was told to go to bed. No cuddle, no putting me in bed and assuring me that all was okay. No kisses, nothing. Event three, craving love and intimacy. An event that my therapist was particularly interested in happened when I was seven years old. My dad had all but left the home. One day there was just my mum and I in the house. Mum said she was going to a neighbour's house and would be back very shortly. I was washing my bike in the yard. I know now, but at the time I had no idea why I did what I did. I watched my mum go to the neighbours. Then when I saw her start to walk back, I ran into the yard, pushed the bucket of water that I was using to wash my bike over, scratched my face on the brick wall, lay on the floor and pulled the bike on top of me and waited. My mum came out, saw me and said, what are you doing? Get up, stupid. Until I spoke with the therapist, I honestly had no idea why I did this. She told me that I simply wanted the love of my mum. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I wanted her to come and cuddle me and make everything okay, but sadly, that never happened. All my life, I think I have craved this from lots of people, but the fact that I never got that from my parents left a deep long-lasting power over me 
and still does. Event four, you can't mend a broken heart. When I was eight years old, my dad had moved out of the home, but was now coming to the house when he felt like spending time with me and my sister. However, I wanted nothing to do with him, so every time he showed up to the house, I would run away. I'd run out the back of the house and I'd stay away. I would only return when I knew for sure that he was gone. This caused him to get upset all the time and one day he showed up and I didn't have a chance to run away. I told him I didn't want to be with him, which then caused him and mum to start arguing and custody was brought up. He sat me and my sister down on the settee and asked us directly, who do you want? to live with. I remember this like it was yesterday. There was only one answer to this question, mum. But before I answered, a voice inside me said, if you answer the question with dad, you will break mum's heart. And if you answer the question with mum, dad will probably hit mum and possibly break mum's bones. The voice inside me then said, you can mend a broken bone but you can't mend a broken heart. And so I answered, mum, as did my sister. Sure enough, dad beat on mum, which was horrendous. He left us and that's the last I saw of him until I was 19 years old. My sister was back in touch with my dad when she was around 17 or 18 years old. I would have been 19 or 20 and I agreed to meet with him because he had been asking her about me. I went along out of curiosity. I went along for the sake of my sister too. I was really scared of this man, but I went to see what he had to say for himself, to see if there was any remorse in him, to see if he would show any signs that he actually loved me. When I saw him, all of the memories came flooding back. I saw all of the terrible things he'd done in my mind and I wanted to turn around and run. I didn't say anything and he said we'll say something then in a very bullish way so I said hi Terry he replied Terry don't call me Terry you call me dad to which I replied you're Terry my dad's at home it was a real brave moment for me and one of the few times in my life that I've stood up for myself very ironic too My mum met my stepfather, John, when I was 11 years old, and John is still my stepdad today. He's a very gentle and kind soul. When I was 14, I did the honour of calling him dad. It was my way of saying I love you without actually saying it in those words. I saw Terry at 26 years of age and have never spoken to him or seen him since. Again, I have no regrets about this. I don't want him in my life and I certainly feel that I don't need him in my life. My relationship with my mum throughout my 20s, 30s and 40s was very mixed. At the time, I could be very estranged and not see her for weeks or months. We might speak once or twice on the phone a month, but then see her once a week for four weeks on the run. But I always needed her in my life. Easter, birthdays, Christmas, I would always invite her and my stepdad over so we could celebrate together. I would spoil her on her birthday and at Christmas. I came to realise that mum was never a hugger, never gave a kiss, very rarely gave compliments. Thinking about it, I think those things were very hard for her. 
She probably wanted to do all of these things, but just couldn't bring herself to do it. I think her mum, my nan, was emotionally not there for her in this way either. And thus she could never bring herself to show such emotion with us. I was determined to break the cycle. I would hug and kiss my mum every opportunity I got when I felt like it, which was more often than not. Even when I could tell my mum was out of her comfort zone and a little reluctant, I persevered. Throughout my 40s, my mum started to soften and she would soon be the one instigating a kiss or a hug, which was absolutely lovely to see. Sadly, in February 2022, my mum was diagnosed with advanced pancreatic cancer and was given four months to live, not very long at all. It was a devastating time for all the family and we knew that we had to make the most of each day. Running my own business meant I could take as much time off as I wanted to be with her, which was a privilege. When mum was in hospital and then eventually moved to a hospice, I would often do the night shift. I spent many nights with mum caring for her and saw just how strong she really was. We did simple things together. We watched quiz shows, shared a packet of chips and discussed which nurses were nice and which ones not so nice. It was precious time and I absolutely loved it despite the sad circumstances. Sadly, I also saw her at her lowest moments as the cancer took hold. She was a very brave woman. I was due to have an operation on my spine and I was waiting for the appointment day to come through. I knew the appointment would probably come through after mum had passed away. Mum was in the final weeks of her life. I had a work event to go to one night and I said, don't you go anywhere, mum. I will be back tomorrow to see you, so don't leave me. She said, come here. I said, what for? And she said, come here. She took me into her arms and put my head on her chest and said, I am not going anywhere until you have had your operation. I want to make sure that you are okay because you are still my little boy. And she kissed me on the cheek and she just held me. I stayed in her arms with my head on her chest for what felt like hours. And in that moment, I was seven years old and I was getting the hug, the comfort, the love that I'd craved as a little boy. And it was a wonderful feeling. And I was so grateful to have had that moment with her. I can't express my gratitude to her for doing that. In her hour of need, she gave me what I needed most. But I also think it was something she needed too. Mum passed away on the 31st of May. And today, how am I? My mental health is a lot better. I have daily practices that I do, little mantras when I wake up and say throughout the day. I meditate three times a week and I do a little bit of yoga. I'm coming to terms with not having mum here with me. I'm becoming to love the person that I am with all of my insecurities. I'm beginning to accept that I'm not good at everything and that is okay not to be good at something. It's okay to struggle with mental health and it's okay to ask for help. 
I like the fact that I can be on my own without being alone. I love to listen to other people's childhood stories on your podcast, Dawn, and how they are coping in life now and what techniques and advice they use that have helped them. I continue to help other people, which is a great comfort. My friend recently went through a messy divorce and he was very sad and down, but he reached out to me for help. He reached out to me and I listened and I was surprised at how well I was able to support him. If I'm being honest, my advice to him was probably me giving advice to myself. He says I made a difference to his thought patterns and a real difference to his mood, which makes me feel really good. I take long walks in nature. I try to get amongst the trees, hugging a few now and then, and I do regular exercise. All of these things help my mental well-being. But talking and writing helps a lot. And no matter how insignificant it seems, any negative thoughts I have, I share with my wife and we discuss it and process it. My wife is the best therapist I have and I am very lucky to have such an understanding person in my life. Someone who really listens and doesn't judge. I encourage anyone dealing with any mental health to find someone that you can write to or talk to who you know will listen. And I guarantee that your thought process will change in that very instant you share, in that very moment. Mark, the beauty and the light in your story is incredible because when we are tiny and our light is dimmed, it takes a huge amount of effort to keep that light burning inside of us, to find enough value in ourselves, to get up every day and shine and thrive and keep going. I just love that Mark never gave up on his mum. That moment on her deathbed was so special and just the slow realisation from him that the love was there all along. His mum just didn't have the capacity to show it because she was never shown it and how beautiful that she was finally able to connect in with that love before she passed. Thank you so much, Mark, for sharing this important story. Sending love to you and your family. I'll catch you all next week. Thank you for being on this journey of healing and community with me. If you listen on Apple, I would love it if you could take a moment to post a review for the podcast. It would mean a lot. Check the show notes for all links recommended in this episode. If you're on Instagram, follow me at my big love project and please share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. Thank you for joining me. You are such an incredible soul because you are you. You are unique. Your journey is unique and you can absolutely change the world with your story. Your time is precious and I so appreciate you being here. Thanks for joining me. I'll catch you next week. Thank you.